George, you may edit brandy. Manzi, currently, but an advertise carrying it. Which, unless you get my power bank and cable from the car, and I don't know where my keys. Okay. Ziko kwa hapo tu kwa Si aliniambia nikae kwa dustbin. It's exactly what I've done. <laughs> Should I just start addressing you? We just make class about you. We just make class about you. We save everyone else the trouble. Akina ngoja muniambie kana anza maapana. Where is Oliver with his guitar? to be here. You know my pattern? I don't know whether to, to needs no to it. Because I need to see my face. I'll show you. Family media, are we good to start? Okay, so Facebook will catch up. Eh? So we need to, to find out whether it's a speed thing. It's a speed issue. Even when you're connected directly to the thing. Wauna ile ile ilikwanga inaitwaje hizo kamera za kitambo zikuwa zinapiga how many mega 5 megapixels Okay We are good Ah.
Mr. Mukunu. Tukosa, yani mina sikia tu movement, no go ahead. Nani ana direct from family? So who do I know? So tell me when to start. Okay. Back there to Kosa? Aye, sir. Ata garanga mefika. Satunezanza. Atuatu? Aye, ambia mata ministry silence. Sir, we're good? Aye. Because, sir, sir, we assume we've done the opening prayers. Now, <laughs> there's, there's something that intrigues me about Abraham's journey. Okay, it's an interesting journey because if you count how many times God swears to Abraham, it's a lot, right? Right? Uh, when he left his homeland, his fatherland, uh, the one where he split the pigeons and other animals, correct? Then he visits him. Then he tells him, this time next year before Sodom and Gomorrah. And each time God is swearing. Right? But have you ever wondered why God needs to swear so many times? Does it make sense to you? Now imagine if I came to you in Kwambie, I swear next week right? Then I come back again and I say, I swear and then I swear again four times. What would you think? That's how you know Ken is in the house. Nikki swear four times. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he almost lost my train of thought. Yeah, <laughs> and you don't expect that answer. The truth is that either there is something wrong with God. Or there's something wrong with Abraham. Right? Because for God to swear four times, it must indicate that in as far as God is concerned, there is something Abraham is supposed to do. Right? Now, there are many things to be revealed in the many conversations between Abraham and God. Okay? There, there are many dimensions, uh, including why God chose Abraham and he says, because you will teach your sons. Okay, That's one of the reasons why God chose Abraham, because Abraham was a kind of guy God could trust to propagate his word. Now, I want to specifically zone into one of the times God has a swearing conversation with Abraham. Those times is found in Genesis 17 verse 1 to 14. Now specifically here, I want to zone in 
on the symbol of circumcision and use circumcision to then talk about the real subject matter that I want to touch over the next two, three lessons concerning wineskins. Because we all know the scripture that says you do not pour new wine into old wineskins. Now, we know the scripture, but what is an old wineskin? And what is this new wine? What is it to repair the patch with a new cloth versus an old one? Right? And, and, and to ask the question, if Jesus is saying that you do not put a new patch on an old garment, then what is he saying? That the new garment should be torn so that we put a new patch? Is he saying that we should put an old patch on an old garment? Did he come to do a patchwork job? And if so, what was torn? Right? Because all of these things have meanings. But the problem with Christianity, which is a wineskin that we must address, is that we don't even know what he means by garment or wineskin, and neither do we know what it means to have a circumcised heart. Do we? Mostly we don't. So if we don't understand these things, then we do not understand the work Christ came to do. Because is Christ the new wine or is he the new wine skin? And if he's the new wine, have you drunk the new wine? And if you've drunk the new wine, what does it mean for you to burst open? If you had an old wine skin. Because all around me, I begin to notice that our wineskins are beginning to explode. And I'll explain. Because the strain of the new wine on the wild, old wineskin at some point becomes too much. So this is what happens. How they used to make wine a long time ago, because they didn't know how to make barrels like the Europeans did. So what the Israelites used to do is they would have a fresh goat skin that was still elastic. And they would put new wine in it. As this wine fermented, it would cause gases to come out of it, correct? And these gases would make the skin expand. Now, for the, as long as the, new, the skin was new, it did not explode. But what that meant is every new season and every new production of wine required new wineskins. Because by the time you had done the first production of the, the wineskin would have been stretched to its limit. So if you put new wine again and began to ferment, then it would pop like a balloon. Okay? Now, the story of the garment is, uh, the patch on the garment is similar, though a bit different. You remember in home science, or in actual fact, that if you buy clothes, 
and you wash them, some of them shrink, right? I remember I bought a pair of blue trousers that were excellent, and I wore them once. The next time I wore them, they were three quarters. Um, so what happens is that garments of old, if, they, if you wore it for a time, of course, it will have a hole, right? And typically, people didn't have many clothes like we do now. So what you would do is you'd have to put a patch on it. Now, if you brought a patch that was new on your old garment, so you put a patch on the garment, and when you washed the garment, what would happen to the patch? It would shrink. And if it shrunk, then it would tear the hole more. So you'd have a bigger hole where there was a small tear. Okay? So this is the background of garment and wineskin. Now, those two terms become important because the term garment is used many times across the Bible, right? So and so ripped his garments. God will clothe you with a garment. So, a lot of garment things, right? And you've been told many times that you need a new wine skin. Okay? So, let's go through and then I'll show you what these things mean. But please bear in mind the two stories that I've told you. So, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk and live habitually before me and be perfect. Uh, the term perfect there, um, very nice picture of, of Iron Man, I assume. Right? Or is that Captain America in Iron Man? Um, so, <laughs> when it says perfect, our English translation, again, does, does us a disservice. God is saying there, uh, be whole. That's actually the word that is there, be complete. Now, the term complete denotes, of course, incompleteness, correct? But how was Abraham incomplete? In fact, much better, how are you incomplete? You see, it is easier to answer the question of how you are unrighteous. That is easy. There are 10 laws, and if you want to expand, there are 600 laws that tell you how unrighteous you are, correct? But the term incomplete is different. To be unwhole is different from being sinful. And the term perfect here uh, is, again, if you take it literally, then you'll be horribly mistaken because Abraham is one fellow we know is not perfect. Okay? Now, to simply try and get us to a proper understanding, the Bible says that God made man righteous, but the hearts of men went after many things. Okay? Being righteous is being whole. In other words, the reason why people sin is because they are unwhole. It's not because they choose. You get. So God is calling Abraham to wholeness, be complete. Are we together? Mark that term, to be complete. And that's why the Amplified says blameless, wholehearted, and complete. And I'll make my covenant, my solemn pledge, between me 
and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, As for me, behold, my covenant, solemn pledge, is with you and you shall be the father of many nations. No, um, no, no shall your name on any longer be Abraham, a high and exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham, father of a multitude. For I have made you the father of many nations. And uh, herein we have a lot of trouble with people renaming themselves because they think that this helps. Uh, it doesn't. It was just a sign. Um, you know, it is like, it's like, it's, it's like getting malaria and then you take the sign for malaria queen. It will not help you. <laughs> Are we together? Uh, we need to be very careful how we treat signs, okay? And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you throughout their generation, for an everlasting and solemn pledge to be a God to you and to your posterity after you. Now, please note that what is God promising, other than all those things that we know, God is promising to be a God to Abraham. I want you to ask you a question. Why would God promise to be your God? Think about it. With or without you, he is God, yes? So why is he promising to be your God? Why is he promising to be your God specifically? Hello. God comes to you and tells you, I'll be your God. What does that mean? Huh? Anna? Anna, confirm me. No, but think about it. God comes, he says, I am promising to be your God. So what has he been until that point? Think about it. Who has he been to you before? Who, who, who led? This is, Abraham is 99. So at 75, who was he talking to? So God is now telling him, I'll be your. So what was he before? And does that, doesn't that make you question who God is to you now? Because clearly conversation with him does not make him my God. Eh. <laughs> Because he's saying, I'll be your God, to be a God to you and to your posterity after you. Mm. Let's continue. So please note and ask yourself, is God my God? And then there's a question here that makes me wonder. I will establish my covenant between me and you and I, your descendants after you throughout their generations. Okay. Which covenant do I have with God? 
who here has a contract with God? But I'm just asking. See, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons of Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. The letters, uh, okay. So there's a covenant between God, Abraham, and you. Uh -huh. What are the terms? He shall be your God. <laughs> now, you, you see the trouble we are in. That you are in a contract whose terms you don't know. Now, you see, the problem with this contract, my dear brothers and sisters, is this is a pre-law contract. So the, the, the contract you're imagining in your head, that's not it. Because if I was to write the testaments accurately, I would have three testaments. I'd have the testament with Abraham. Actually, I'd have more. So there's the testament. <laughs> Can I count for you the testaments? There's the pre-creation covenant where he chose you and ordained you and before the foundations of the earth, right? There's a covenant he has with Adam, right? The covenants, because there's one before and after the fall, but anyway, let's call it one, Adam. And then there's a covenant he makes with Noah, correct? Right? Then there's a covenant he makes with Abraham, which is four, right? Then there's a covenant which we generally know and like so much, the one that he makes with the children of Israel, not with Moses. Right? And then there's the sixth one that he made with Christ. Eh. All of which are in effect today. See, let me put it to you like this. Did I say this? When <laughs> when you apply for citizenship in a new country, you realize there's a class of citizenship. Right? You can be a permanent resident, right? You can be a full citizen, right? Or you can have various work permit, alien permit, right? The refugee status, right? All of those people are in Kenya, right? And, and to some extent, they are Kenyan. Correct? Right? It's the same with the kingdom. There are many of us in the kingdom. Some serve under the Mosaic Covenant. And so they live according to the law. And I'll show you briefly. Some live according to the messianic contract. And they live by grace. Correct? They are all citizens of the same kingdom. Are we together? So please watch and be careful which covenant is operational in your life. Observe carefully. 
God has a contract with everybody. With everybody. But you see, you have the freedom of choice. And I'll talk to you about those choices in a bit. But I wanted to mention that so you have something to stick your pen in. The kind of covenant you have with God. Okay? And then whether God is your God. And I will give to you and your posterity after you the land in which you are a stranger, going from place to place in all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And there are a number of issues I have here. That number one, why is Abraham a wanderer in a land he has been promised? God owns everything, yes? So God would have... If God, if, listen, Kenya just gave land to South Sudan, yes? Meaning that the head of state has power to allocate land, right? Now, the earth is the Lord's, correct? So why is he saying that you are a wanderer now, you will own it later? Is it a higher purchase agreement? Why is it that God waits 472 years to make this promise come true? What is God waiting for? Huh? What is God waiting for? Four hundred and seventy-two years. What was God waiting for? Okay. Ah. And why would God promise a land which had occupants? Think about it this way. What was the population of the earth then? Six thousand years ago. Let me put it to you in perspective. In 1970, we only had 3 billion people on earth. In the 1600s, we had millions of people on earth. Hundreds of millions. So you can imagine, why is God so obsessed with this particular land we call Israel? Why? Huh. Why would God promise you a shamba which someone is sitting in? So na piga raundi state house God na kumbi. So na ishamba ni mekupea. Okay. So please note these things and ask yourself the questions that you need to ask when you read the Bible. Because these are things we want to it, isn't it? Mm. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall therefore keep my covenant, you and, uh, and your descendants after you, throughout their generations. Right? Now, which covenant is this he's asking? This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your posterity after you. Every male among you shall be 
And you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and shall be a token or a sign of the covenant, the promise or pledge between me and you. He who is eight years old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or brought with or bought with your money from any foreigner, not of your offspring. He that is born in your house, he that is bought with your money must be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the male who is not circumcised, that you shall cut off from his people, he has broken my covenant. Now let me deal with a few things, because being African, you think you know circumcision. Because circumcision in Africa is a sign of manhood. You've stopped being a child, now you're grown up, yes? Yeah, that's what you were taught. And now we've Christianized that nonsense. Because removing a little bit of your skin does not help you in any way in being a man. Eh. Or it has helped you how? In fact, the only help maybe is two things. You have less likelihood of contracting HIV and you have less sensitivity down there. It's the only help it has given you. That's the truth. <laughs> right? So let's understand that circumcision in God's eyes back then was not the same as we imagine it today, especially if you're Luya, Kikuyu, Kisi, and all those tribes, right? Right? So the, the, your imagination of circumcision is very mistaken. So let's put it in proper perspective. Number one, the person to be circumcised is how old? Eight days old. So whose role is it to circumcise? It is the father's role to circumcise the son. That's one. Number two, if you're going to give people a sign that they belong to you. It is not a good idea to put it in their private parts. <laughs> Isn't that true? Now think about it. Think about it. If the sign of marriage <laughs> was there, <laughs> It's too late. <laughs> right? So why is this sign hidden? You know, the Indians had it about right. There's a dot here. You know? Right? So clearly, there's symbolism here that we are missing. The symbolism is that the circumcision is private. The circumcision is intimate. The circumcision is to signify a private change, not a PR stunt. Because a lot of the time, the changes we profess are external. The signs we, we, we say that we've become a different person 
are external. Most Christians, their changes are just based on how good they are at deleting their browsing history. That's the extent of how circumcised we are. The changes we profess are mostly only seen when things are good. When you turn up the heat on any Christian, it changes. Uh, I, I, I used to have a very nice mouth 99% of the time until I meet Kenyan drivers. Then my tongue was not circumcised, you know. Um, and, and the expletives that would come from my mouth, you know, just after driving out of master class, <laughs> would be interesting because it is easy to show up here and do PR, right? You know, we wear Sunday best, and every time you give a testimony, it is of your best thing. Uh, yesterday, I donated uh, uh, two cars to the Red Cross, you know. Yeah, no one shows up and says, listen, I sinned yesterday. Do you know a church like that? Must <laughs> well, it's just me. I've not seen anyone else do it. The only one who shows up and says, hey, listen, I done messed up, right? So we, we have this PR face that we hold on to strongly. Right? How people think of you. Right? You guys are fine. <laughs> so, clearly, the symbolism of the cut goes deeper than two millimeters of skin. Right? It, it is not just skin deep. But God takes it seriously because in Exodus 24, we find a very strange story. Along the way at a resting place. Now understand, this man Moses has seen the bush that burns without burning. Right? He has removed his sandals and God has a mandate for him. Okay? He's been chosen. He's the guy who's going to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He's the guy who's going to part the Red Sea. He's the guy who's going to cause ten plagues. So on his way to mission, right? Oliver, are we okay? I am wondering why it is not behaving or it is misbehaving. Okay. So Moses has been called by God, right? He has been chosen by God. And then on the way to where his mission is, God meets Moses and God wants to kill him. Now that's the strangest thing you could ever read. Is it the cable? The computer?
Oh, okay. Uh, Hez is coming to your rescue. Anajua what has happened. Can I make a joke? No, go on. No, it's not about you, Hez. Can I make a joke? So um, I'm doing a, I'm giving them time. Uh, I was doing a programming course one time. And then my teacher was called Marisa van der Spey. So my deskmate raises her hand and she's like, my computer for some reason is not working. And then she comes and she sees the problem and then she fixes it. And then she goes to the front. She writes on the board, that student was an I.O. error. So we are, we, she asked, what is an I.O. error? And then thinking we are very clever, we said it is an input-output error. And she said, no, no, um, what that error was, it is an idiot operator error. <laughs> <laughs> it is a joke it is not targeted at anyone <laughs> please do not take it personally do not tweet me yeah now so god seeks to kill moses because apparently he had failed to circumcise one of his sons his wife being opposed to it. But seeing his life in danger, Zipporah took a flint knife. This flint knife story is quite popular here. And cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it to touch Moses' feet and said, surely a husband of blood you are to me. When he let Moses alone to recover, Zipporah said, a husband of blood are you because of the circumcision. Now, there are many things to unpack here, but I want to unpack just two. But number one, remember we talked about what is the role of a father to circumcise the son, correct? So when a father meets you, what is his role in your life? With what? Okay. Are we on the same page? Because if you go to the book of Samuel, you realize that the father who refuses to circumcise the son is the one who loses. You lose both the son and you lose yourself. Um, when, why then do you kick, trample upon, and treat with contempt my sacrifice, my offering which I commanded, and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves upon the chastest parts of every offering of my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I did promise that your house and that of your father, your forefather Aaron, should go in and out of me before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me I shall light shall be lightly esteemed. Now, let's put it in perspective. That a father's role is to restrain sons. Father's role is to circumcise sons. And when he fails to do so, notice God never talks to these boys. Did he ever talk to, to Eli's sons? Did he talk to Samuel's sons? Because Samuel had the same problem. 
So there's something here that we note. That number one, circumcision is how you know you belong to the promise. Are we together? That if you are not circumcised, you do not belong to the promise the Father has. And even worse, you do not belong to the promise the household has. And that circumcision was an internal process. It is not external. And that circumcision denoted where you belong to in as far as God is concerned in his relationship with you. Because he says the soul that is not circumcised is cut off. Now, we have been sorted. Now, let us note carefully. Talked about wineskins, yes? Talked about circumcision and given you the spiritual background for all of them, right? The, the, the imagery around them. Now let's go to the New Testament. And I want to go to Romans 2.29 before I go to Luke. But he is a Jew who is inwardly, who is one inwardly. And true circumcision is of the heart, a spiritual and not a literal matter, his praise is not from men, but from? Now, what is the interrelation here? Because even in the Old Testament, if you were circumcised, no one saw it. There was not a man in Israel who walked with a see-through window for people to see that he belongs, correct? So even the circumcision of old was a matter of to be recognized by God and not men. Because, ah, so this frame has not changed except it is our heart that must be circumcised. So we must ask the question, what is a circumcised heart? So let's go to Luke 5, 36 to 39. He told them a proverb also. No one puts a patch from a new garment on an old garment. If he does, he will both tear the new one and the patch from the new one will not match the old garment. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the fresh wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be ruined, destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins, and no one, after drinking old wine, this is the key part, immediately desires new wine, for he says the old is good or better. Now, this saying, the old is good or better, reminds me, of a certain people. They're called the children of Israel in the wilderness. And they kept saying that how we miss Egypt because the old was better. Okay? That tells me that they were drunk on a wine. Right? And the wine they were drunk on is called Egypt. Correct? Now, how we know they were drunk on old wine is because the Bible is careful to mention they never changed their garments for 40 years. So for 40 years, 
they had the same wine skin. And therefore, when the new wine was poured into them, they could not contain it. It poured out. What do I mean? These guys were beneficiaries consistently of God's word, God's direction, and God's miracles, and they never changed their minds, not once. Sindio, you, have you ever seen a mountain trembling? Because God came down. Do you wake up in the morning and you see a pillar of fire by night, by day? No, sorry, a pillar or a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Is that what you see? Have you seen the ground swallow your enemies? Have you seen the Red Sea part for you? Those people who saw that never believed God. God gave them sign and word after word, gave them victory after victory, and they never believed God. Because they literally and figuratively never got rid of their wineskin. Now there's something dangerous here. Because it tells me it is possible to put new wine in old wineskins. Correct? Now, what happens is this. That as the wine matures in the new wineskin, the wineskin bursts. Hmm. Meaning, if we agree that the wine is the word of God. It means when the word begins to work in you and you have an old wine skin, you will burst. That's what it means. And that's what a lot of people in masterclass are facing. That for three, four years now, you've received a lot of new wine. And then you get to this point where you genuinely feel like you're going to burst. Yeah. It's too much. Now, is the problem the wine or the wine skin? How do we know that it's become too much? We know it's become too much when two things happen. When you get to a point where you feel content, like, ah, I've had enough. Just stop. Or two, when the test comes and you are unable to produce the wine you received. <laughs> Listen. When God comes and he poured wine in this vessel, when he comes to pour it out, what does he expect should be poured out? Okay. Let me give you a story. You know the wedding in Cana? 
Now, the wedding in Cana, Jesus did a miracle, right? Turning water into, and then the Bible called it a sign. You called it a miracle. There's a difference between a miracle and a sign. So what Christ performed there was a? Now, the question any good reader should ask is a sign for what? <laughs> because you think it's a pretty cool story to justify why you drink. Yeah. Eh, Bonnie. Right? It, is, it was not a sign that now you can drink. Okay? What the sign was, was in the journey, the process. See, what Jesus did is he asked them to take these huge vessels that used to be used for hand purification. So there are vessels that were not quite valued. Okay? And they had fallen and Jesus said put them upright. Okay? Sound familiar? And when he took this vessel, he poured in water. But only when they poured out did the wine come out? Okay? Are, are we together? So let me explain the new wine principle. The new wine principle, my dear brothers and sisters, is very simple. What they poured into the wine skin was juice. Because it had not fermented yet. When it was processed in the wine skin, when it was poured out, it became wine. That is supposed to bring what? Joy and merriment and healing. Mm, that's what wine represents. He poured in the oil and the wine, the kind that restored my soul. From me bleeding and dying on the Jericho road, and he poured in the oil. So you sang that song. In your my oldies, what me, what me, what me, what me, what me, what me, Right? So we know the wine is for gladness. Okay? The wine is for the alleviation of pain. And the wine is for healing. We know this, right? So basically, what was expected is that when the time came for you to be poured out, when pressure came, when problems came, that what was expected to come out of you should have been gladness, healing, merriment. That's what that means. Now, a lot of the time when you pour out a Christian, when you put pressure, what comes out? I find it amazing. I'm telling you, 
just a little bit of pressure. Yeah, just a slight disagreement. Just a bit of discomfort. Then what comes out, you wonder what happened to the wine. Fermentation process. <laughs> Most of the time, what comes out when you don't ferment, do you know what happens? Do you know what happens when you don't ferment properly? What comes out is called busa is properly fermented. What comes out is called is it called vinegar or vinegar? Vinegar. I like you saying vinegar because I always imagine a person who drank it because it came from the vine and went like Right Now, the reason why that symbolism is important to me, and it should be to you, is because when the fermentation happens right, and the wine skin is poured out, the person who drinks it receives merriment. But when it becomes rancid, the person who drinks it is made bitter by it. And so you must be careful of what is being poured out of you as a wineskin. Because a lot of the time what happens is this. Whether you have old wineskin or new wineskin, you'll be put under pressure. Because the Bible promises you that Testing must come because of the word. Right? So we know when we hear the word, testing is coming. Correct? Now, the problem is, is that if your wineskin is not accommodating the word that you've received, that pressure breaks you. And then you're unable to produce what God has been pouring in you all this time. I'll give you an example because it's an easy one to give. Something called forgiveness. Right? A lot of the time, every Christian I know has received the new wine called thou shalt forgive. Correct? In, and said thou shalt love your enemy. Correct? Right? Until the pressure came. And then all the wine left you. <laughs> Right? No, it has happened to me, so I can tell you. But you, you, you have, you, you know what is right to do. You know what the new wine is. Right? So faith has become my enemy. I know I'm supposed to love her. But, but, but I have a tongue. And it's anointed to annoy. You can, the things I can say. And they even quote scripture where I learned it. Huh? So the pressure came because the word is fermenting nicely in you. So if it's fermenting, you must be tested, correct? So when the test comes, you, you, 
pouring all over the place. Now, the problem is not that you did not receive the word. The problem is you do not know how to change your wineskin. That's why it becomes difficult. It becomes difficult because a lot of the time, all you receive is information. Ah, another good piece of information you received is generosity is greater than tithing. And you're like, amen. Giving, amen. You know, I shall give eh, until it started fermenting. And the bills and the problems, they keep getting greater and greater than your generosity. And every generous act becomes more and more painful. So you started at the beginning of masterclass. You could give. But as time went by, when the pressure built, all your money found leakages. Because the wineskin was old. And it's a disease you can find in very many things. A lot of the time, the other thing you also do is you are told there is no law. Correct? Then you hear it very well. Then you go back to the garment called the law. And then you try to do patchwork grace. Not patchwork graces. You have bigger and smaller sins. <laughs> so, <laughs> go to your garment, you pick homosexuality, you say that one remains old garment. Judgment. When you say lying, you're simbayasana, grace. New garment, right? So that's what you do. Yeah. Look at the sins you confess. I lied yesterday, no problem. Grace. I watch Pornhub.com with stolen Safaricom data. <laughs> Judgment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On the point, stolen data is <laughs> <laughs> So, what is patchwork salvation? That what you do is there is an old garment called the law. And then you've received new grace. So you go back to the law and then you do patchwork grace. Now what happens is you wear your new clothes, your new patchwork righteousness and you walk out there and you find your nakedness worse than what you began. Why is that? Because consistently for as long as you have patchwork grace, patchwork living, 
what begins to tear is any time it rains on the part you've not covered with grace, you tear even more. So if homosexuality, because that's what I'm being beaten on of late, because now I've become pro-gay, I don't know how. Have you seen me posting and saying, please use assholes? The people are insane. The people are mad. How am I pro-gay? How you treat people is different from being pro-anything. I don't know. I'm a virgin back there. <laughs> what I edit, what I edit, what I toy. Please edit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Ken, I've had you. I've had you. <laughs> you understand? How you treat someone is very different from being pro something. You understand? When you say prisoners should be treated better, are you pro crime? You know, Christians have very small thinking. So please, what were Facebook, stop writing me. Hey, don't write me. Masterclass. Me, let me tell you. Tarudisha Kuriakos pastor rules. Those are the only rules we need to do. So what happens, <laughs> what happens with your patchwork Christianity is that Every time, every time a certain button is pressed, your garment tears. Understand? And, and you find some things unforgivable and, 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 and you need, you can't contain it. So you get torn. So you can't do patchwork garments either. See, a priest is to be dressed properly, you know that, right? And, and God is very specific about what covers the priest, right? And, and the image of a priest with torn garments is a bad image, correct? So you need to check what you've covered yourself in. Because there are two problems with garments. Sometimes you've got an old garment, like the Jews, that has never changed. Never changed. It's been 40 years of your life. You never changed. I, 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 allow me, can I say something controversial? Because I've not said anything controversial till now. I've asked myself many, many times, why among the people who tell me they're depressed, the highest number are Christian people. And they're mostly between 35 and 45 years of age. And then they're mostly single. 
And then they have a destiny. If you know, you know. This person has kept himself or themselves in the mold. You know, when when we were growing up, eh, we were told that the best thing you can do is keep yourself for marriage, right? So they've kept themselves for 35 years, 36 years. And 99% of the time, they're miserable. Then when they come to me for counseling, I can't tell them this. But I'm just like, you know, if you just got a hug, it'd be fine. A hug. A literal hug, you shamba people. <laughs> you guys are very silly. May God forgive you. To the pure, all things are pure. Right? Because, you know, loneliness is a disease, right? There's no human being who was built to be alone. When Adam has not seen, he has not done anything wrong, God says it's not good for man to be alone, right? So what do you expect? You know, this is basic biology. Put a man alone in an island, they go mad, right? It's, it's basic biology. So how is being alone righteousness? Are we on the same page? Yeah, if you're offended, Shauriako. But the problem is that that wineskin, that wineskin that kept them safe in high school and was a good thing, has overstayed its purpose. You understand? Because if you're 35 and you're not willing to go on a date, you, you are afraid, you know, these men will cause you to sin. These women, I ask. That's your fear. Then that wineskin is killing you, isn't it? Right? Go get your heart broken. Seriously. It will help you. It will sharpen you. Let me tell you, there's, there's nothing that teaches you better than a heartbreak, my friend. There's nothing that... <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> no. You, you know, wh wh what was that meme? that was made about <laughs> about a musician who was out on a date and then they said second album loading after she gets dumped eh? <laughs> it was Adele <laughs> right and, 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 and let me tell you I, I don't know why people live their lives so scared about being heartbroken it's going to happen anyway right because falling in love does not show up and say, dear sir or madam, would you please like to accompany me to someone ruining your life? I don't think that's how it happens. Eh? <laughs> you got a letter. <laughs> Sign here. 
Am I like getting an app on uh, on on online? Accept terms and conditions. You don't read, you just accept. <laughs> uh? <laughs> so the 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 wine skins that you keep. I hope you understand now are mentalities that cannot contain your realities. You just hear. A wine skin is a mentality. And mentalities are interesting. Now, I'll give you an example that I was giving someone. If you want to understand the power of a mentality, check on your diet. If today we were served food and you were told this food is donkey meat, how many are eating? Okay. Now just 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 pause. Notice, notice the people who put their hands up. Just put your hand up again. You will notice that most of them are the most liberal thinkers you know. In fact, let's make it let's take it take it a bit a bit further, a bit a bit further. How many are eating frog's legs? Yeah, frog legs. Okay. Monkey meat. No, I just I just want snails. Okay. Now, notice one thing. All of those decisions were based on your old or new wineskin. You find it disgusting not because of reality. You find it disgusting based on your wineskin. So, Changing your wine skin is having the ability to have been brought up in conservative Kenya and be willing to transition your mind that you will not find it disgusting when you eat it. It is a choice. And that's the point of wine skin. Because you see, the problem is with the wineskin is you constantly think that's how you are and that's how things are meant to be. Listen, how many videos on YouTube are there decrying how the Chinese in Kenya eat dogs? And we are so offended by it. Why? Was it your dog? <laughs> Two, is it in your stomach? You see, let me tell you the power of a wineskin. The power of a wineskin is that it gives you a mentality that you think you are right based on nothing. Because my question is, who told you it's okay to eat a cow and not a dog? Based on what? Because 
your teeth have the ability to chew. Your stomach has the ability to digest. So God created you with the capacity to eat a dog. Oh, but it's easy to add that list because we know how many people have crash landed on places where they could not be reached and the only thing they could eat was raw human flesh. Were they sinners? Now, please understand, you see that offense? That's called a wineskin. It's called a wineskin. And the problem with that wineskin is when we give you new information, it sits there and you don't notice it because it begins to ferment. Then one day, one day, God will send you to China or to a Chinaman. And you're alive at lunchtime. And they're serving snake. You see, let me tell you how important this is. <laughs> There's a team that went for a mission. And they went uko kwakalendani. And they went to preach to this old lady. The old lady was so glad to receive them. So this guy and his translator sit down and they begin to talk about Christ. They're very excited they're about to win a soul. And so the old lady says, you know, since you're a man of God, I want to give you something to drink. So she goes and brings her mursik, right? Uh, but you see in those places, water is a problem. She takes a cup which was already dirty, puts her, you know, old lady hands, puts her hands in it, cleans it like us, and throws it out, and then takes new mursik and she puts it in <laughs> and gives these two guys to drink. What is the righteous thing to do? <laughs> you declare you are lactose intolerant. <laughs> now, the funny thing is, they drank it quickly, right? Because you know, you, you just close your eyes. <laughs> and then she was like, ah, we just <laughs> now, Kuangesa was the same process. <laughs> you see, the, the, there is something that I learned. You see, the way we treat repentance. We treat repentance as though it's the ability to be sorry. No, that's not repentance. That's just being sorry. Repentance is a change of mind. Now, it's easy to change your mind concerning whether you're going to Kisumu or not. That's easy. Concerning whether you smoke cigarettes or not. That's change of mind. It's easier. But the change of mind that repentance is talking about 
is to be able to change from the person who cannot eat a frog to the person who can. That's a hard thing. It's the ability, this new mentality, it's the ability to change completely your frame of how you view the world. That's repentance. Repentance is the ability to move from being a coward to a brave person. The new wine is the information that comes to tell you you need to be brave. That's a new wine. But if your mindset does not change, and many people struggle with this because a lot of people are still chained. Hmm. I'll give you a very basic example, right? You know, because I've taught you, that it is not a sin to drink, correct? Right? Okay. But when you do, how many times do you hide? Just let me finish. The moment you are taking a sip in hiding, tells you that you have old wine skin, but you've received new wine. It will burst. It will burst in two ways. Either you'll overindulge in secret, or you will feel so guilty after it. Because the new information is not matching with your mentality. So you begin to burst. And this happens in many cycles. Ah, I'll give you a, a, a better example, a worse example. Uh, family media, you'll edit this out. Edit from now. See, the other day I said that being lesbian is not categorically listed as a sin in the Bible, right? Okay? Right? Okay. <laughs> here's, here's my question. It's a very simple question. If someone comes to you and tells you, help me, I'm lesbian, what do you tell them? <laughs> Wrong question to ask Paula. <laughs> I know it's not hers. And I, I know Ken's answer. Can I say it on your behalf? <laughs> If you want to know Ken's answer, see me after class, I'll tell you. Let me ask it another way. We keep editing family media. If a gay person, a gay man, hits on you, 
On a man, yes. Okay? And when you make her upright. <laughs> you see, if your wine skin has changed, you will treat that person with the same grace you treat a chick who's hitting on you. Oh, sorry, you guys don't get hit on. <laughs> I am sorry. Upgrade. <laughs> no, but you understand what I mean? You see, but what? I, I, by, by the same grace, I don't mean say yes. When every chick that hits on your man is supposed to say yes. <laughs> but you should be honored. If, if, if someone tells you, if someone tells you, you're handsome, you're masculine, right? Now, you see that's, you see wine skin? Wine skin speaking. No, if a man tells me I look handsome, my friend, I will feel good about it. It's a compliment. Because when a chick tells me the same thing, I'm not offended. <laughs> Because, because let me tell you how let me tell you how the wine skin explodes. Okay, so imagine, imagine your Ken Mugani. So let me give Ken. <laughs> let me give you an example, right? So imagine, imagine the way. We've been out there and saying, you know what, we'll accept you and we love you the way you are. And then a man, someone give me a handbag, not that big one, it's too heavy. And so dear handbag. So imagine. <laughs> so <laughs> So, so imagine you 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 still keep that wine skin that you'll be offended. Eh? So imagine a gay guy comes into class carrying his handbag, like oh my gosh, yes. So you're looking hot. <laughs> stop, stop it. <laughs> Right? <laughs> and now you as you still have the old wine skin that that's not acceptable. So you have the information that this person needs love and care and affection just the same way you do for your sins. Right? But you've not dealt with that wine skin. So when the test comes, what will happen? At the very least, at the very least, they will look at your eyes and see your disgust and feel unaccepted by you. Because the wine in you and the wine skin are not matching. 
Can I say it's an extreme example? It's the best example. <laughs> Can it's Jesus obviously more than the rest of us? <laughs> but do you understand that you see what happens is you receive information. Every Christian has the information that they're supposed to love and forgive and things like that. But what is the problem is the wineskin. You understand? And, and the problem with having a certain wineskin is the moment that car wineskin is tested, you bust. You understand? You see, let me tell you, I, I, I'm sorry, any family media, you'll have half a show. Let me give for worst, last example and worst example. You know, when you go to when you go to pornhub.com using your free Wi-Fi, free bundles from Safaricom, before they took them back in the evening. Eh? Now, you see, what happens is this, okay? And, and so you understand the power of a wineskin, right? You will admit that most men here have said that we will love sinners, we will accept them, we will embrace them. Sindio? Now, imagine those times when your Pornhub profile decides that a gay video is what you need to watch. And sometimes you don't notice, eh? So, <laughs> you're 30 seconds in. <laughs> the disgust you feel tells you that you still have the old wineskin. Do you understand? In fact, if you want to know how many old wineskins you have, notice the sins people do that you say, how could he or she do that? That should tell you how much law is left in you. Hello? You understand? And that's just part of the old wineskins that we have and they keep revolving in your life because you think it's okay. Right? Because if someone comes and tells you they're lesbian and you start fixing them, what exactly are you fixing? Based on what? It's based on a wineskin. And there's so many things that happen based on your wineskin. It's incredible how much of your life is controlled by your wineskin despite you receiving new wine. So it's critical that you know how to change wineskins concerning any matter. Because what happens is if you do not know how to separate the old you from the new you to be circumcised, you're in trouble. Let me take you to Second Corinthians. I do not know. Ah, I have time. Thank you, Jesus. Second Corinthians 5, 2 to 4. Here indeed, in this present abode, the body, we sigh and groan inwardly because we yearn to be clothed over. Okay? 
new garment. We had to put on our celestial body like a, like a. So we do not desire a patchwork government. In the Christian walk, I do not desire the mentality and the person I was yesterday. I groan for a new garment. I don't want a patchwork garment, which is a big problem that we have. Because a lot of the time, you come into master class. Then you're called a cult member. You go to church on Wednesday, right? Then what you wish is to go back to Kuriakos and do patchwork. Right? Because this new garment is too heavy for you to carry. So you have patchwork Christianity too. Torn between Kuriakos. Right? And Ecclesia. So you've seen that. Eh? So it's called patchwork garments because you are unable to renew your garment fully. Either because you want to be accepted or you want to conform or you have, uh, like Bonnie used to have a high position. I told, I told Bonnie, I'm like, hey, if you want to keep that high position in Kuriakos, shut up. Hey, you don't go teach them the truth. You will be kicked out. Hey. See? You kick, you ran away before they had started. <laughs> you see, it says they will persecute you in their synagogues. So if you want to be persecuted unnecessarily, you just go to their synagogue. You understand? So this new revelation, new garment has come, but you don't want to put it on. You understand? So you want this patchwork thing. Hmm. Torn between the two. To be fitted out with our heavenly dwelling. So that by putting it on, we may not be found naked. May not be found without a body. Now, not, 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 not this. But if Jesus comes and you've not put on your new garment, you're naked. Hmm. It's a strange statement. But Jesus gave a stranger parable. Okay? He says this. There's a man who threw a wedding feast. Right? And he sent out for four people to be called to this feast. And they said, I have fields and commitments that have cost a pretty sum. Pray, hold me, excused. I cannot come, I cannot come, I cannot come to... Do not trouble me now. I have married a wife. I have bought me a cow. I have fields and commitments that have cost a pretty sum. Pray hold me. Excuse that I cannot come. Right? Yes. We've been saved for a while. <laughs> right? So the story goes that this guy is told the guy of the feast that we cannot come. And then the master sent out his servants and said, call everyone from the highways and byways and everyone and bring them to the feast, right? Now, usually in your head, the story ends there, but it continues. There's the, 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 the groom walks into the wedding feast and finds a guy in his old garments. Finds a guy in his old garments. 
So the guy did not decline the invitation, showed up to the invitation, but kept his old garment. He did not put on the garments for the feast. And when the master came, he kicked him out. So you, when you are found, what covering will you have? Because it continues, for while we are still in this tent, we groan under the burden and sigh deeply, weighed down, depressed, oppressed, not that we want to put off the body, the clothing of the spirit, but rather that we would be further clothed. So we would be further clothed even while in this body. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up with life. Now, if it is to be swallowed out up by life, we must ask, what is life? Jesus said, my words, they are life and their spirit, correct? So your life must be clothed by the word. That is your heavenly dwelling. That your mentality must change. That how you perceive life at a basic level must be able to be transformed by you receiving the word. If your mind is not so transformed, it is only informed. When the trial comes, you will explode. That's what happens. You see, the reason it is hard to forgive is because it is also hard to believe. It's hard to believe that God will make it right. It's hard to believe that God loves you. It's hard to believe that God is a better avenger than you. So you know the information called forgive. You've not received the transformation called believe. So when the test comes, your wineskin pours. How does it pour? You pour vinegar. Right? Vinegar. You want. So what happens is the person who's supposed to receive your forgiveness receives bitterness and anger. Right? Remember the gay person? person who you're supposed to show mercy. When they come to you, you, you are disgusted. Can't even hug them, you know. You see them coming, you run away. Because though you have information, your wineskin betrays you. Because how? Now, I have time. I don't know whether I'll get to Ephesians. Let me go to Galatians. I want you to note something carefully. In this freedom, Christ has made us free and completely liberated us. In this freedom, Christ has made us free 
two fees. You are in freedom, and then he has made you free. Stand fast then, and do not be hampered and held ensnared and submit again to a yoke of slavery which you have once put off. In this freedom, Christ has made us free and completely liberated us. Stand fast then, and do not be hampered and held ensnared, and submit again to a yoke of slavery which you have once put off. Now, this is a journey that many Christians take. What is the journey? That you get set free from the law, then you subject yourself again to the law. Is you've put off the old garment, <laughs> then you remember it, you go put it back on. It happens in two instances. Instance number one, when someone does a sin you consider is so offensive. You go put on your old garment, come back to judge. Or number two, when you yourself sin and decide to judge yourself based on the old garment, you put it back on. Usually, when you've done the big sins, eh? yeah, you, you, you want to feel bad about it and repent. Yeah. So you come forlorn. Notice it is I, Paul, who tells you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no profit, advantage, or avail to you. For if you distrust him, you can gain nothing from him. Now, this is an interesting conversation, and let me give you context. Paul is writing to the Galatians because certain Judaizers had come to return them to the law. Okay? And this happens all the time. Life in class. Where a certain subject is broached and you're tempted to return to the law. It happens a lot. Now, what Paul is saying is if you accept to be put back into the law, then you've shifted covenants. Remember I told you how many covenants there are. So if you accept physical circumcision, if you accept to celebrate Passover, if you accept to stone people, if you accept any level of the law, then you have left Christ. It is this same context that he talks about those who have tasted salvation if they turn back in Hebrews. He was not talking about turning back to sin. He was talking about turning back to the law. Read it carefully. The unforgivable sin is returning to the law because the law condemns you. You go back to the law, can you be forgiven? Right? Because the net result of the law for everyone who's practiced it in the Bible has been death. Yes or no? Paul put it like this. He said, the letter 
kills. It always kills. It always kills. If you follow Islam to the letter, you will kill. Follow the law to the letter, you will kill. Have you noticed that? Every person who practices the law is very willing to kill. Just do the sin that requires the prompting. I always find it interesting. You find this, mommy, daddy, pastors, we love you. We are here for you. Just get pregnant. From today, uh, this person is no longer a member of worship team. Cindy, what happened to the love? The law happened. The law demands death. So if you're willing to kill a friendship, a relationship, whatever, you know what you're practicing. It will always kill. And then Christ is of no profit. Uh, I'm making sense. So Paul is talking about that your wineskin, once and for all, is freedom in Christ. But you can choose to go back and put on a yoke. As yokes are many. There's a yoke called fasting. Which you are tempted to revisit when things are hard. Christ is of no benefit. There's a yoke called praying hard. Which you are tempted to revisit when things are hard. Yeah. Do you understand? Most of these yokes appear easily. It's very easy. You're provoked, and then pop, it's there. It appears like this. You know, if you've ever happened to get drunk by accident, Bonnie, 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 you, you don't know what I'm talking about. Yours is voluntary. <laughs> but the people, the people who the first time you got drunk, did you know? You didn't know because you don't know you don't know the boundary, did you? You you, you took a sip, then it was the second one, then the third one, and then you're like, woohoo. <laughs> Your English becomes polished, right? Now, usually. Drunkenness is a better example because you wake up in the morning and you have this shame, right? But it happens in other things also. You know, usually you call it one thing led to another. <laughs> now, please note how you treat that thing tells you whether you're in grace or in law. Because if you are in law, you immediately start swearing restitution. Oh, Lord, I will not do it again. And you will punish yourself. Because where do you go back to? Because the law required that when you sin, you sacrificed. Correct? So you go back to practicing the law. That you think in your head that somehow because I've done this thing, God has left me. And then you project it on other people. How can they be singing in church? And they did what they did. You know what I'm saying? 
Right? So you realize that the frame of the law just needs you to have a bit of pressure then old garment. Sindio? It continues, I once more protest and testify to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation and bound to practice the whole law and its ordinances. So if you receive even a little bit of this whole law, if you seek to be justified and declared righteous and to be given a right standing with God through the law, you are brought to nothing and so separated, severed from, severed from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. You have fallen away from grace. From God's gracious favor and unmerited blessings. Now, I don't know how people read the word. Because people who say fallen away from grace usually mean the opposite. Eh? So that's how they say. That you're abusing grace because you've sinned a lot. No, no, no. The person who's telling you the law has told you has sinned is the one who's fallen away from grace. Did you hear what I said? It's the opposite. Because the one who's telling you to keep the law as a means of righteousness is the one who's done, doing what? Judging things outside of the frame of grace. Isn't it? So who's the abuser of grace? You know, people... I like how they talk about repetitive sin. Which sin have they done that they don't repeat? Do you know yourself? If you know yourself, you know your sins are the same. They don't change much. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like how Christians uh, pretend how righteous they are. Eh? Are we together? So you know what it is to backslide. Can I explain to you what it is to backslide according to Paul? Is to go practicing the law and living grace. That's what it means to fall away. That's how I don't treat people different when they tell me their sins. God's not falling away. It's not. For we, not relying on the law, but through the Holy Spirit's help, by faith, anticipate and wait for the blessing and good for which our righteousness and right standing with God, our conformity to his will and purpose, thought and action, causes us to hope. So to him, righteousness is a thing of hope and faith. For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through. Only. Do you know what only means? When the Christians are fine, you read only, then you add a but. What does it say? Only. But only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. Only. Only. See, I have lived long enough in this earth to know that everybody has sins, major ones. But I've also lived long enough to realize that if you want a friend, befriend a sinner. 
Aisha's people are the worst friends. Hey, these people who've never sinned just try to be their friend. Go take two weeks. Have a knife in your back. But you see, he or she who's forgiven of much loves much. Dangerous people are the ones who the last time they were forgiven, they were 19 years old. They stole sugar. Those ones, very dangerous. Siondo sin kubwa. You see, I finally understood why Jesus said, I did not come for the ones who are righteous. I did not come for the Pharisees. came to seek and save the lost. I'm beginning to fall in love with lost people. Lost people know how to love. Because they've been forgiven. Goody two-shoes have this thing where they walk around with a measuring stick telling you how you've fallen short. if that's how you live life, you know which wine skin you still have. Keep checking. Keep. How righteous are you? Umelipata ipi? Masterclass, ulipata pesa ngapi? Ukiendesha pikipiki, bibia kwa najuango na angalianga mahaga tao. No, because there are people there are people who are alikatazwa tao kwangi tao and and there are people who are offended for his wife even imagine that guy he turned you understand so that ka shift are you seeing what I mean by wineskins? Okay? That shift in your head needs to happen. Needs to happen. You see, today I was at Golden Spot. I will explain. So, we had Golden Spot and then R. Kelly is singing. I'm looking over the skylights of the sea. City of justice. And then for some reason, that song, that song kept playing over and over again. It's like either the DJ was drunk or his girlfriend broke his heart and that's the song. Something. So for the entire hour we are there, it's, the song is playing. And God keeps asking me, why are people saying they can't listen to R. Kelly's songs anymore? What does his talent have to do with his errors? How are they too, too related? That's because 
get a bunch of Pharisees. Now, I'm not saying let's not have mercy on his victims. It's not what I'm talking about. But what has his music got to do with it? Right? You know, we're such funny people because we know Ford was a Nazi sympathizer. Yes. Was anti Semitic. But you still drive Ford cars, right? Because what does the car have to do with its maker? You see how we are weird. You see, people always misunderstand me. Do you know why I don't listen to Willie Paul? It has nothing to do with his girlfriends and basement activities. None at all. I just have a problem that what he's singing has nothing to do with the gospel. That's different. I have no problem if Hope Kid does a proper song. I will listen. Quenta pata happies of the year. No, let's be real. <laughs> Are we on the same page? You need you need to understand that you need to remove wineskins. You need to remove wineskins. Wine skins are dangerous. They're very dangerous. That's why I said that we must be circumcised. Because circumcision of the heart, my dear brothers and sisters, is the ability to shed off certain wine skin. To totally remove it. It does not exist anymore for you. Because if you're not able to do that, it's only a matter of time before pressure comes and then you just can't take it. You just can't take it. And then you start speaking Christianese. I find Christians very funny. You know, Christianese is this. Someone is gay, you find out, and you start telling them God loves you. You don't mean it. You just know the right things to say. But your actions are different. You know, uh, still, they called you and they told you, Amat Java, please can we have lunch? You're embarrassed that you'll be seen with this man with makeup. You can't sit there. You know? Sometimes the, the, the wine skin is simply, they came from Geshadi. They smell funny and they look funny. And you just can't sit with them because gonna respect Fiti. You're a brand. So it continues. You are running the race nobly. Who has interfered in and hindered and stopped you from heeding and following the truth? Following the 
Because a lot of the time, the trouble you have is following the truth. You know it, but to follow it, it's a problem. Old wineskin. This evil persuasion, Paul calls it evil. What is evil? Trying to get people back into the law. It's not from him who called you, who invited you to freedom in Christ. And he says, a little living, a slight inclination to error, or a few false teachers. So in Paul's mind, who was a false teacher? The one who takes you back to law. Leavens the whole lamp, it perverts the whole conception of faith and misleads the whole church. I don't have time. Why I said last week when Hez was preaching, no, for me when Hez was preaching, my mind was just being blown. The circumcision you must go through is we are done with law. So change your wineskin. I'm not talking about it. I'm not explaining to you abuse of grace, how it is not there. I'm not explaining to you anymore how you're free from law. Because you need to put off the old man. Circumcise yourself. Why do you use a flint knife? Because of the pain therein. It's painful to let go. My friend, the first time I tasted sushi, the pain of looking at that raw fish. <laughs> Here's the irony. Yeah? When I was a kid, my dad went to Japan and he brought me chopsticks. And I practiced on those chopsticks that I could eat rice with chopsticks. That's how good I got. So I'm the only guy in the table with chopsticks. And I'm looking at the sushi. And the pain, you know that mental anguish of putting raw fish in your mouth? You, you've never... We're taking you for lunch very soon. Right? That anxiety... That pressure, that's the flint knife. That letting go of an offense, that's the flint knife. That deciding that, you know what, I'm not going to be offended by gay people anymore, flint knife. Circumcision you must go through. And I'm not going to treat someone and treat myself best on the law, flint knife. Then I'm not going to fast anymore because I'm in trouble, flint knife. I'm not going to indulge in Kuriakos salvation anymore, flint knife, because it's painful. Yeah, to this day, people ask me, <gasps> you don't go to church? Yes, I tell them. I do not participate in Constantine's experiments. And I'm very okay with it. Constantine's experiment, I am not interested. Because I've been circumcised. 
I put that man, that old man behind me. I carried off. It was painful. I used to be famous. My friend, I used to go to churches. Do you know how churches treat you nicely? It's not like master class. No. You have a special chair. You're introduced nicely. There are envelopes for you from everyone after you finish. They tell you, man of God, you are so anointed. You've really touched my life. Uku master class ni hugs na jokes too. Right? <laughs> you understand? So for me, it was a circumcision. If today I was a Kuriakos pastor with the tongue I have, my friend, my friend, if I went back to stretching my hand and people fall, my friend, circumcision, you must separate yourself from the old man. It must happen. It must. For how long will you be torn between two opinions? You must be circumcised. You cannot be the person who's been told, have faith, be courageous, be a deputy. And then one phone call. From Jezebel. And you go back. Can't be you. So you must willingly circumcise yourself. And if you don't circumcise yourself, as the father of this house, I have a knife. And I'm coming for you. Hey. We're going to cut it off. And notice, notice God chose the most painful part in your body to cut off. <laughs> no, he did not choose some insensitive part, you know, sole of your feet <laughs> or the lobe of your ear. Eh? You know, he did not he did not say, I will I will cut off a piece of your ear. Yeah? Or hair. <laughs> he chose literally the place where he put the most nerves. You understand? So let's understand that you must learn to get circumcised. And please note. It's the other thing about circumcision. It is a very quick process. You know that, right? Watch a video. <laughs> right? Especially the traditional one. Now man comes from there, runs before you know it, it's gone. <laughs> So please learn. 
You see, the other thing that you must learn, hey, you know, now the problem is, I always have a short sermon in my head. Jesus said this, you must receive the gospel like a child, right? Now, circumcision was done on a child eight days old, right? So that means that when you are eight days old in salvation, you must circumcise you. Let me explain. The biggest problem we have in church is because people know things. See, the difference between an adult and a child is a child is willing to learn and become new things. You understand? If you've had a child, you know your child goes and hangs out with a friend and they come back different. You know, Zoya calls me the other day. He's like, hi, dad. What are you doing? I'm totally busy. Like, I can't be bothered. You know, that's what she says. Huh? Because she watched a film. And she's able to repent of her accent. <laughs> That's what Jesus expects of us. That you're circumcisable. Now, I hear Christians say, oh, well, just a mere keep, oh, you know I'm taking my time. But hey, that nonsense stops today. Here we forgive. If you don't want to go back to Kuriakos, keep grudges for a long time. Are we together? Here, the sun does not go down on your anger because we've been circumcised. Mr. Kukansol, what? Mulikosana two weeks ago. You're still talking about it. What's wrong with you? For how long must I preach exactly? I'll just say my sorry. You swallow your pride and you go say sorry. The Bible does not care who the offender is. It cares who the peacemaker is. So me, this nonsense of struggling with basic Christianity to meacha. To meacha. Let me tell you, let me tell you this. The harsh treatment of sinners stops with me. I am the last person in master class that shall be thus treated because they sinned. Last. From today, every sinner in master class shall be treated just as if they never sinned. So get circumcised on that today. Because if I find you, I am serious. If I find you, you've had squabbles, it's been five weeks, you still want me to cancel the two of you. Thou shalt be cancelled indeed. Because how long must we teach this? Ken, how long? How long? Listen. We shall become the people Jesus said we shall be. They shall know you're my disciples if you have love 
one for another. Sasa hii mambo ya kuja kuniambia umeokoka from 1960 and you have not love. Shut up. I want to see love. That's how I want masterclass to be known. In other words, stop telling people that masterclass kuna preach I'm deep, I'm not deep nothing. Sika tunaelewa. At your come there is great revelation that's not why I want them to come. My friend, I can speak to two people. God did not send me to speak to many people. I want them to come because you loved them. Stop advertising me. Ushaiona nikiji advertise. Ushaiona poster ya masterclass imeandikwa with Mark Bichach. Ushaiona. Ushaiona poster ya masterclass with my picture. Ya masterclass. Please. This is the billboard we want that you loved someone that you loved them so much they wanted the Jesus you have stop telling them we are deep we are deep and for what why are we deep and you can't forgive your brother we are deep what how how we deep when you can't give you're not generous what depth is there we are deep for what are we a swimming pool What 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 is this depth? Oh. Hey. You know, let me tell you let me tell you something I was told. Can I remember by who so that they don't get offended? They could be sensitive people, but anyway, I can't remember. So if I'm going to offend you by what I'm going to say, I'm sorry, not sorry. Someone tells me, "Oh, that lady She stepped on my foot some weeks ago. God damn it, how do you even remember that stuff? What's wrong with you? Hey, I'm to a master class. I'm like, what did I teach you? And they stepped on my foot and they didn't apologize. My friend, it depends on how thick the soul is. It's physics. How many people have you stepped on and not noticed? Then weeks later you are still remembering you have a demon. No because it's nonsense. It is total nonsense and I don't understand why we should be at this place anymore. Oh, master class has to be reminded to give. My friend, no more don't give. Because let me tell you If you don't give you're guilty of Eli's son's sins that you went to God's sacrifice table and you took the best sacrifice and kept it for yourself So instead of God coming for me I'm coming for you Because these things how long must I come here remind people oh we need to pay rent oh hey I'm coming for you New Winescape Historia kukua deep Oh, manzena jua vitu nyingi, then you go to impress people. Eh, hey, cuz some of you are guilty of this. Your your work is to come listen, don't go impress people in Kuriakos, no application in between. Devil worship. Nazo kutusumbua hapa. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> let me tell you. Let, <laughs> let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. Where we are now is a place where Paul says you ought to be teachers, yet you still need someone to teach you. Because you're still holding on to your old wineskins. Now time has come for me to remove old wineskins. The process shall be painful. I'm giving you a word of advice. There's a very good opportunity in the next one week not to come back to class. Very good opportunity. Very good opportunity. Think about it very carefully. Kuriakos is always registering new members and giving them tea and juice. So, and things your itchy ears want to hear. But for us, that season for childishness is over. So tonight, Jifanye favor. All those people you're holding grudges, call them, forgive them. And say you are sorry for holding grudges. You understand? Because Nini Tunongea. Do you understand? Tonight, tonight. God has given you money for masterclass. Stop burdening three people. Give. Do you understand? Are we together? Now may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. So, now, Next week, we will do foreskin... Uh,